Hey everyone, you're tuned yep. in to episode 30 of the Hoops Life Podcast. We sitting here, I supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining me on episode 30 of the Hoops Life podcast. I'm your host, Bryce. Coming up on the show today, we do a recap of the Raptors' big-time victory against the Golden State Warriors to put them up 3-1 in the series and one win away from the NBA championship. And then also, we discuss the keys to closing out in Game 5 at home in Toronto. So let's start with an incredible performance last night by the Toronto Raptors. I tried to sleep last night after the game, but there was so much commotion and honking and celebration. I live right downtown Toronto, and it was madness. There was 2,000 fans who were at Oracle for the Raptors' victory last night, chanting, Oh, Canada, let's go, Raptors. It was a crazy scene, and even... Uh, some of the analysts after the the game, Kenny Smith and, and and Shaq, were just really, they've never seen something like that before. And I think it just speaks to how incredible of a country we have that's supporting the Raptors. I mean, the Raptors are the only team that we have. And just to see the sheer amount of support that the Raptors have been getting throughout this playoff run, it was just crazy. And... Not to mention the 10,000 fans that were running around downtown, the people that were waiting in Jurassic Park since 9 in the morning yesterday. So do the math. That's 14 hours from them starting to wait till the end of the game just to watch the Raptors outside on a screen. And it was just madness. Young and Dundas Square shut down multiple streets in downtown Toronto. So it's just an amazing time right now to be a Raptors fan. So let's do a bit of a recap on what happened uh, with last night's game. So coming into game four, Clay Thompson, who had a hamstring injury, did not play in game three, was a go for game four. Kevin Durant still out. And Kevon Looney, who we all thought was done for the series, um, ended up playing last night. So uh, you had a scenario where the Raptors were up 2-1, and, I mean, really, it was a must-win for Golden State, uh, not wanting to go back to Toronto down 3-1. And on the Raptors' side, it was a a chance to get greedy. You took Game 3 pretty handily with Klay Thompson on the shelf and Durant on the shelf. Uh, uh, Steph Curry's 47 just wasn't enough. So... A game that the Raptors really wanted to get so that they could have the chance to close it out in home, at home rather than it possibly being extended to a seven-game series. So in the first quarter, I mean, the Raptors just couldn't buy a bu- bucket. They're missing open shots. And it really had that look of, you know, well, maybe today is the Warriors' day. But then you remember that this Raptors team is not the Raptors' team of old. No disrespect to DeMar DeRozan, no disrespect to some of the other guys, but we have Kawhi Leonard. And 
he is a calming force when it comes to the Raptors and, and facing adversity. And they faced adversity in Game 4. Uh, they were 2-for-17 in the first half uh, from 3 on wide-open looks. And in the first quarter, Kawhi Leonard took it upon himself to score 14 of our 17 points. We only scored 17 points in the first quarter. And then fast forward to the second quarter, when you look at how poorly we shot the ball, going into halftime, only being down four points, you really got the sense that we're winning this game. And that's a tribute to to Kawhi Leonard. And then we really need to talk about the Raptors' defense, which I don't think is getting enough credit. And... Obviously, Kawhi Leonard is a big impact on that. But also Danny Green in that trade uh, when we brought Kawhi over in the DeRozan trade. Because, yes, Kawhi was the centerpiece of that trade. But Danny Green as well is a solid defender and obviously a knockdown shooter. He didn't shoot the ball particularly well last night. But, I mean, he's he's good to go off for five or six threes in a game at least once every series. So... Those two, along with Marc Gasol, and from the looks of it, you'd say Marc Gasol, you know, he's a, a big man, really slow-footed, but he is a, an incredibly disciplined and smart defender. And bringing in those guys has really made our team a, a cohesive unit on the defensive side, and we really shut the Warriors down. This is a team that was averaging... 109 points a game throughout the course of the playoffs. And last night, they were held to 92 points. And that's just a tribute to the guys that we have. And shout-outs to to Fred Van Vliet. This guy (laughs) could not buy a basket for the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, midway through the series or late in the series against the Bucks, he came alive. And it just so happened he had a, a child. The, the day before and all of a sudden he could not miss a shot defensively he's been stepping up and we got to give credit to him and what he's done against Steph Curry and his defense has been just incredible forcing Steph Curry into tough three-point shots running him off the line so that's a tribute to uh that's a that's an attribute to to Van Vliet and then Serge Ibaka a lot of people been on on his case throughout the course of the playoffs saying he hasn't he hasn't been bringing it. Last game, in game three, he had six blocks. Last night, he had 20 points, uh, five rebounds, and was a dominant force. And he really helped to kind of allow Kawhi Leonard to get a bit more space because as they tried to double him, it gave other guys open shots, and Serge knocked that down. So it forced Golden State to play off Kawhi a little bit more and not double him as much as they typically would. And then the big, big thing here, and, and it's my guy, it's my guy, Kyle Lowry. He has been incredible throughout the course of this series and last series. If you recall, early on the playoffs, a zero-point outing, a lot of scrutiny to Kyle Lowry saying he wasn't being aggressive enough and that he needed to be more assertive. And over the last two games, last night for in particular, His stats don't jump off the screen to you, but if you watch the game, you notice that he was the floor general. He got guys shots where they needed it. Um, In the first half, guys weren't just 
guys just weren't hitting shots. But then come second half, he really got everyone involved. And he just is that floor general. He comes out, he plays his heart out. And you got to just give credit to the guy. And let me go on a rant for a quick second here. So in game three, as you all may recall, Kyle Lowry went diving into the stands to try to save a ball and, uh, you know, bumped into some people in the process and was pushed by an individual who didn't even get hit by Kyle Lowry as he was diving for the ball. And it just so happens that this individual is a very a minority owner of the Golden State Warriors and is worth billions of dollars. And it just speaks to the fact that you can't let these people come into the game, come to the game and think that they can put their hands on a player. And and I'm just happy that that wasn't Serge Ibaka who dove into the stands and, and he pushed him because Serge would have done something that we all know he would have probably choked the guy out, to be honest. And it just, on the Kyle Lowry side, I give him total credit for not losing it on the guy and doing something that may have got him suspended. But on the on the NBA side and the, the fine and the, the suspension that was handed down, I didn't think it was harsh enough. You find a billionaire $500,000, which is the equivalent of you finding an average person $50, and then you only banned him for one year, right? This individual should not be allowed in another NBA game for the rest of his life. You you do not put your hands on players, and, and shout-outs to LeBron for coming out and speaking on it as well, and I thought Kyle handled it as well as you could. So rant done about that. And over the course of the game last night, that third quarter, which is typically Golden State's time to shine, was quickly taken over by Kawhi Leonard, who started the quarter with back-to-back threes. And when you saw that, you knew the Raptors were going to make a run, and they did. They outscored uh, Golden State by 17 points in the quarter. And then ultimately, in, in the fourth quarter, uh, went on to win. And it, it just it spoke to the, the team that the Raptors are and the fact that the, the past team that would have folded is just not going to now. And we need to talk about the Kawhi mindset, which has influenced the entire team. And that Kawhi mindset is all about being present in the moment and not taking it for granted and not looking ahead, but doing your job in that moment. And if you notice, Kawhi Leonard doesn't celebrate after dunking on someone. He doesn't celebrate after hitting back-to-back threes because he's in the moment. And when you're doing all that, you're out of the moment. And they won a big game in game three. There were no smiles. It was all business and the same thing in game four. And that was impressive to me. And it wasn't just Kawhi. It's the entire team has taken that mentality. And when you look at that, you realize that his impact is far greater than what you see on the stat sheet. He's really impacting some of the younger guys we have on the team like Siakam 
and, and others. And then guys who are typically very fiery, like a, uh, a Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka. And he's really provided them with that calming force or mindset where they're not satisfied. And you saw it on their faces after last night's game that the, the job's not done. Kyle Lowry said in the in- interview, hey, the, we are not finished. We haven't done the job. We're playing a Golden State team who is a multiple-time champion who has come back from 3-1 before. And Kevin Durant will tell you when he was at OKC how that felt when Golden State came back 3-1. And they've also, Golden State has also lost being up 3-1 against the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, who obviously had LeBron James. So nobody's taken this for granted, and, and no one on the Raptors is celebrating. It's all business, coming back for Game 5 and trying to close it out. If you'd asked me at the beginning of the series if I thought the Raptors were going to win in five games, I would have told you you're out of your mind. <laughs> I would have. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I thought they were going to win in five. I mean, there's recorded proof on the podcast. I said that they were going to win in seven. But one thing I do think is that the way that they've played, and if you even if you look at game two, which is a game that we lost at home to Golden State, that was a game that if we had hit a, a few more sh- open shots down the stretch, we would have we won that game. I mean, Nick Nurse went to his... Went to a box and one, which some analysts said it was an eighth grade defense. And I would say to you that that held Steph Curry scoreless in the fourth quarter. And it also held Golden State without a basket for almost five minutes. But the problem with that was we weren't able to hit a wide open shot on the other end. And we ultimately ended up losing that game. So outside of that little that little lapse from the Raptors, you're talking about a team that has controlled this entire series. And I do not, I do not want to hear anybody feel bad or say that the Raptors are fortunate because of injuries on the Golden State side. Let me help you understand something. First of all, Kawhi Leonard is not healthy. You know how I know he's not healthy? Because to start the game, until the fourth quarter, they put him on Iguodala, who's not an offensive weapon, in order to save his legs for the fourth quarter when he does guard a Clay Thompson, a Steph Curry. If you don't recall what he's had to do throughout the course of the playoffs for the Raptors, going seven games with the Sixers, going six games with Milwaukee, and go, in fact, putting the team on his back in a double overtime game against the Milwaukee Bucks. And he has knee tendonitis. He's, he's not healthy right now. But that guy is a warrior and he makes no excuses. So let's not make excuses for the Golden State Warriors. Those same Golden State Warriors who have five all-stars on their team. No, no, no. I'm not. You didn't hear me wrong. Five all-stars. Okay? So... Nobody's feeling bad for a team that has Draymond Green, all-star, Clay Thompson, one of the greatest shooters ever, Hall of Famer, 
Steph Curry, first ballot Hall of Famer, greatest shooter ever. Andre Iguodala, one of the best defenders we've seen. And then you got DeMarcus Cousins, multiple-time All-Star. Nobody's feeling bad. Yes, Kevin Durant is not playing, but I, I would argue that Golden State is fortunate that they can lose one of the best players in the league in Kevin Durant and still be a top-notch team. May I remind you that when Kevin Durant went down, he went down in Game 5 against the Houston Rockets where you would have thought that Houston would be able to pull out the victory in Game 5 in that fourth quarter in a tight game and at minimum win Game 6 at home, which they didn't. And that Warriors team went on to win six straight games after Kevin Durant got hurt. So two games against Houston. And I don't know what Houston's going to do because at this point, this D'Antoni offense and James Harden dribbling a thousand times step backs and it's just not working. So, and then to go and sweep Portland the way that they did, no team in NBA history can lose their best player or one of the greatest players ever and be able to pull something like that off. Only a team in Golden State who had the fortune to be able to get multiple, multiple All-Stars on their team can do that. So nobody feels bad for them. No one thinks that the Raptors are fortunate. The Raptors are snatching this. They're playing incredible defense. They're a cohesive unit. And I don't want to hear any of that. None of it. So another interesting stat, not stat, but more of a um, more of a kind of looking at the Warriors and, and kind of the reign of Steve Kerr as he's been coached, as he's been the coach, is no team has ever beat Golden State three times in a year in the Steve Kerr era until the Raptors last night at Golden State. So in Golden State's home. So that's an impressive feat by the Raptors. So let's talk about the keys to closing this out in Game 5. And I'll, I'll be the first one to say that I'm not celebrating yet. I mean, I lost a lot of sleep last night because I lived downtown and there was honking and let's go Raptors. And the bandwagon is full. <laughs> so lots of people are, are loving the Raptors right now, as they should be. But... We still need to close out Game 5. So let's go through the keys to closing out Game 5 against the Warriors at home. First things first, our role players need to hit shots early on in the game. It's been a struggle throughout the course of the playoffs. And it's one of those things where, as a team, we always, always, always get good shots. We work the ball around. We have unselfish guys, no egos. But the problem is... Sometimes guys just aren't hitting shots. So Danny needs to hit his open shots. Kyle needs to hit shots. Mark needs to hit his open shots. Our role players need to hit those open shots early in order to set the tone for the entire game. Next, taking Golden State's first punch. So Golden State is not going to go down without a fight. This is a 
multiple time champion, five straight finals they've been to. Kevin Durant or not, this is a great team, and they're not just going to lay down because they're down 3-1. They've done it before, and they're going to come in with that mentality. You need to take Golden State's first punch. They're going to they're gonna give us a punch, and we need to be able to weather that early. The other thing is we need to keep them out of transition. This team in transition is dangerous. We all know that. And this is why the Raptors have been dominant throughout the course of the series is, is one of the main reasons is when Golden State is running, when Draymond is bringing up that ball off of a rebound, they're bound to get an open three. Clay, Steph, that this is where they live. What we need to do is keep them out of transition, keep them in the half court offense, and everything else will work out. Kyle, Lowry, my guy, you need to be assertive. And I'm not saying you need to go out and score 25 points. I'm not saying you need to go out and score 30 points. But what I'm saying is you need to be assertive. You need to go downhill. You need to get in the paint, force the defense to collapse, and get guys involved. We need you at 10 assists. I need 15 points from you. I need you to be assertive. Come in and do be the call out. We know you're going to give it on the defensive end. We know you're going to play your heart out because you always do. And that's what makes you great. But we also need you to come out and be assertive. For Kawhi, I think the biggest thing for him and what we need for him in, in Game 5, and it's the key to a big key to us closing out in Game 5, is his decision-making out of the double teams. I think he's taking a split second too long to get rid of the ball in that double team. If he gets rid of it right away and notices that that double team's coming then someone's going to get an open shot. And if they don't get an open shot, they're going to drive the lane, and that's going to be either a, a layup or, or kick out for an open shot to someone else. So Kawhi, 100%, needs to be able to see that double team early, get rid of the ball. The other piece is we need to force Clay and Curry to put the ball on the ground. And what I mean by that is we need to run him off the three-point line. Clay Thompson, if we're forcing him to drive into the lane, we have help there, and it makes it really tough on him. Force him to take that contested pull-up jump shot. That's a two rather than a three. Force Curry to take those contested pull-up jump shots. That's what we need to do to keep Golden State at bay. And if we do those things, we'll be just fine. We'll be NBA champions. And... They might, this city might go, I don't it's already going crazy right now. I have no idea what it would be like on Monday night if we were able to get that W. And not to mention the parade, long-standing parade that I've been waiting for, for my Raptors, for quite some time. So, those are going to be your keys to the game. And I think just overarching when you think about what, the Raptors have meant to Canada. I read a stat the other day that the Raptors are now the most valuable franchise ahead of the Leafs, ahead of the Blue Jays. And it just speaks to the evolution of basketball in this country. And one of the reasons the Raptors are so amazing is they're the most representative of 
our country, Canada, in the sense that the diversity of of the fan base and the diversity of our team. Like, just look at our team and where everyone's from. Like, it's just amazing. Like, let's start with Marcus Gasol from Spain, Serge Ibaka. You know, like from the Congo, you have Pascal Siakam from Cameroon. So much diversity on our team, which is representative of our country. And 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 that's why this means so much uh, to our country. And I, I personally think we're going to, we will close it down in game five. I think we're going to close it down. Uh, Handily, I don't think it's going to be a close game. I think we'll win in double digits. And it's going to be nice to have Golden State not win the championship. And it's great for the NBA because what it does is it it opens things up for everyone else to say, hey, Golden State, the dynasty is over. It's over. Kevin Durant's gonzo. It's over. And... Now you're going to start to see a lot more parity in the league. And it's going to be a fun year next year. And I don't mean to get ahead of myself. Obviously, the job's not done. And, and I, can't be, I can't be assuming that we're going to win on Monday night. Shout-outs to Kyle. I know I can't be doing that. But can a man be excited? I'm excited. It's an exciting time to be a Raptors fan. I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone into the... Hey, and let's talk about Jurassic Park. Let me take a second. I went to Jurassic Park when we played the Brooklyn Nets. That was an incredible series. And I was in Jurassic Park for Game 7. That was one of the most devastating basketball games I've ever seen because we worked our butts off. But the point I wanted to make about Jurassic Park is that I sat in Jurassic Park in Game 4 against the Washington Wizards when we were down 3-0. So, can't nobody tell me I'm not a real fan. Because I sat in the rain. (laughs) I definitely did. So, it's going to be interesting. I think the Raptors are going to wrap it up. And then I'll be coming on the podcast to do a celebratory message to everyone. And then look forward to free agency. That reminds me, free agency... Kawhi Leonard. So Kawhi Leonard is now favored by sportsbooks to re-sign with the Raptors. My gut tells me he's going to sign for a one-year contract uh, plus a a player option. So it'll be two years, but it's really one year. They do a one-year plus a player option. He'll obviously opt out uh, the second year and then look to uh, get a max deal. So he's purchased uh, another house. Here in Toronto, that's a good sign. We have the Kawine and Dine. If nobody, if, if you haven't heard of it, it's essentially all these restaurants in Toronto. I think there's over 300 who have said that Kawhi can eat for free if he stays with the Raptors for life. We have a company offering up a multi-million dollar condo to Kawhi if he resigns. And then you have a... I believe it's a tech company who has offered to pay Kawhi's contract up front 
for the five years if he resigns with the Raptors. Company's got to have some money. Because, I mean, we're talking like $200 million. So, a lot, a lot happening. And I think that when you look at Kawhi and you look at the contracts that we have right now, Serge Ibaka is coming off the books next year. That's $20 million. Marcus Gasol is coming off the books next year. is $25 million. Kyle Lowry is coming off the books next year, $30 million. A ton of cap space. So we will see if Kawhi ultimately does resign. Like I said, I think he's going to stay for at least another year. Uh, but, it, I mean, it's been an amazing run thus far. And let's close it out in Game 5. Thanks, everyone, for checking in on the podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe, and we'll see you next time.